Hi everyone, Jason here. Jono can't make it this week, so Tovia and I are doing Torah Pearls on our own. Right, this week we're looking at um, Ikev, Deuteronomy 7.12 through 11.25, and we're starting in chapter 7, verse 12. And my first question, the first line says, and it will be because you have heed these ordinances and keep them and perform that the Lord your God will keep for you the covenant and the kindness that he swore to your forefathers. But I've um, learned that the word there at the beginning, heed, is actually heal. Is that right? Well, I know. So the word there is a word that you actually know very well. Vahoya Akev, and it'll be if. And Akev really means heal. So this is an allusion to Jacob, meaning it's speaking to the children of Israel. And the word there is a word you know, and that's Tishmu'un, from the word Shema. Ah. In fact, you have the word Shema right in there. And what is important to understand about the biblical Hebrew of Shema here is it really doesn't mean here, although people uh, well, translate it that way, hero Israel. But in actually, in the in English language, there are two different words that could be used to translate this word, uh, and it's often mistranslated. In Yiddish, there's two words, Teherin, which means to hear, and Deherin, which means to listen. So therefore, the, when it says Shema Yisrael, it doesn't mean just simply use your ears and pick up the auditory vibrations and you hear it, but rather what is in view in all these passages. And the word Shema is going to be used over and over again through this. And incidentally, it is also the opening passage of Isaiah 53 that that what will happen is who would have believed our report believe it or not the word report isn't there the word is who would have believed this understanding it's an amazing delicious word so therefore here it means all commandments all these commandments Ushimartem, and that comes to the word Shemira, which means you will guard them. And you notice there's a difference. The first will guard them means that means watch out, guard over them. That's why we have Gidorim, we have fences that protect the commandments itself. Vasisem oisam, and you will perform them. Then Vishomar Hashem Eshabris, then the Almighty will in turn guard the covenant of kindness Ashanishba Lavoisechem. This pass so so the word there really isn't uh, it, these words are are are, um, are are words that really we're familiar with. The, all the roots here are very 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 straightforward. And as I tell people, when of course we go to the English, you're in La La Land. You might as well be in. You might as well go to Disneyland. And I, 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 I you know, I always say this, man. I say to everyone, learn the Hebrew. 
And Hebrew is, in a sense, a very difficult language for the English speaker because there's no relationship between English, which is a from the Latin Romance languages, it's an Indo-European language and a Semitic language. So in one sense, Indonesians can learn Hebrew easier because there's a Semitic structure in Indonesian that English lacks. But Hebrew has a very big advantage. It's a very small language. It's a tiny lexicon. There are very few, they're not, it's not a large language. And therefore, it's, once people learn Hebrew, they realize, oh my gosh, I know all these words. Like just now, I said tishmun. So you go, tishmun, what's that? And then the, the, the root, if we remove the prefix and the suffix, we're left with three letters right in smack in the middle. And there's your root, shama. He, but not here, it really means to listen. Now, this opening passage presents a, may present a little bit of a, a conundrum, and I, I want to just present it. Do you, do you see any problem in this passage of God is saying, if you'll keep the commandments, then I will guard the covenant? It, it might um, raise a question, and that it seems that up until this point in the Bible, that the covenant that God made with our forefathers, which is expressed at the end of this verse, opening verse, is unconditional. And suddenly it appears superficially there's actually a condition on the bris, on the covenant. But we know very well that the condition, that that the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, is completely unconditional. And lest there's any person listening to this broadcast going, well, how do you know that? You, if you look at the end of a, path, a chapter we've already gone through, and that's Leviticus chapter 26, the blessings and the curse, that's how the whole chapter ends, that no matter how badly you behave, I will never utterly destroy you, lest I break my covenant that I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, presenting this, what seems to be a conundrum, we can now understand what's really happening throughout this entire chapter and understand what is arguably the most important covenant in Scripture, although there are others that God will not break. So in this um, passage, or in this Torah portion, it's it's the second of two parts where Moses is addressing the people in his last big uh. Sermon on the Mount, if you like, and... Um, He's, we're starting off really with a, with an if clause, right? It's if you do this, then you'll right. do this. And then we're going to rush into a, um, Moses explaining to all the people where they've erred before and uses those examples as, um, ways to tell the people not to do that again. So we've had the if clause and this is the promise. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will bless you with the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your soil, your grain, your wine and your oil the offspring of your cattle and the choice of your flocks in the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. And sad, it's a land that Moses won't get to live in, yeah. but he still continues to the people. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall be no sterile male or barren female among you or your livestock. How do we, right. how do we address 
There were some barren females later in the text. Oh, because the Torah addresses that very directly, and the Torah tells us that this is if you are faithful to uh, to the mitzvot, to the commandments, then you are going to have these blessings. That's the one half of the condition. The other half of the condition is that if you don't, then not only are you going to have a problem of barrenness and sterility, but actually you're going to be thrown out of the land and horrible things are going to happen to you. Uh, one other comment that should be is that most people understand this as you be bl- you are blessed in mikol ho'amim, um, that you will be blessed uh, uh, Oh, your translation has it. You'll be dr- you'll be blessed above all the nations. Is that how above you translate? Above all peoples. Hmm. Ah, so actually, that's not the word. The word above there doesn't exist. Again, this is a mistranslation. Baruch you shall be blessed. Mi kol ha'amim. That means you shall be blessed from all the nations, or all the nations will receive their blessings from you. And I, if you look at, for instance, Psalm 67, we see King David uh, almost commenting on this, where he actually expresses this explicitly. And I encourage you to go to Psalm 67, just the end of the chapter where King David writes, let the peoples of the of the earth all praise you, Hashem. Let all of them praise you. The earth has yielded has yielded its produce. Our God bless blesses us. God blesses us, so that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. So what is happening here is that the nations of the world are are receiving our receiving their blessings all the nations receive their blessings from us which of course harkens back to the original promise that God made to Abraham so it's not like and it's unfortunate people think that like the Jews are first class and the Gentiles are second class citizens and then Paul of course he will uh, exploit this particularly in Galatians 3 and say look if you're a Christian then we're all one in the body and so on and so forth but that's not at all what's happening here all the nations receive their blessing and mikol ha'amin from all the nations. That's the language that's over here. There's one other point that I, I that that will alleviate a lot of confusion here. Although corporate Israel is indestructible, the nation is an eternal nation, and it cannot be destroyed. And if the sun is giving forth its light and the moon its light by night, then you know then you know Israel's here, Jeremiah thirty one. But no individual Jew has this guarantee. As you notice, this portion begins with the word and vihoyu, which means it is as you mentioned at the beginning, at the outset, this is really very much a continuation of the previous portion. And I I need to juxtapose two passages from the same chapter, because this is actually, chapter begins with verse 12, which means there are verses that preceded in the same chapter. And I just want to look at one 
verse, chapter 7, verse 9, where we see this explicitly, that not all Jews have a guarantee that they will be part of the covenant nation and enjoy the promises. And if you go to verse 9, I don't know how your translation um, how the translation in your in the Bible you're looking at uses, but if we go to um, chapter seven verse nine, that you know that that God is the true God, you should know it, and He's Shemer Habris, the same words. He's the guardian of the bris and the kindness only. To those who love him, God only maintains the covenant only with those Jews who do two things. Number one, have a personal relationship with him. And number two is they carry on the truth of God's message. That's really, if you want to understand this portion, Akev, what we are, what is coming into view is that really it's conditional. My friends, you have met many people who are, who are not observant Jews, but their great grandparents are. If you'll ask the question, what happened to the Jews who converted to Christianity in the first century or in the fifth century or in the 10th century? Where are the descendants? The answer is, they're lost among the nations of the world. They're not here. What happened to the Jews who became Sadducees? Where are their grandchildren? They're not among us today. And therefore, what we have today is only those, the, the children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren of those who are completely observant. Jason, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever spoken to a person who's Jewish but not uh, observant, and you ask them, you know, are, you know, are you Jewish? Not only am I Jewish, my great-grandfather was the chief rabbi of some city. <laughs> my, you ever hear that? Oh, yeah, yeah my great-grandfather was the chief rabbi. Because somehow, if it wasn't the chief rabbi of a city, <laughs> then the great-grandchildren would have never have made it. So the covenant is conditional. The only Jews that are here today identifying as Jews are those who are the descendants of, the, of, of those who, had, who did two things. Number one, have a personal relationship with God. And number two is we're faithful to Hashem's commandments. There are many Jews who became all joined all sorts of religions, abandoned tenants of the Jewish faith. Their grandchildren are not here with us. It doesn't mean you won't encounter Jews who are Christians today identifying as messianic. But if you ask them, who was your great-great-grandfather? Well, they weren't messianic. They weren't Christians, that's for sure. Because if they were, their descendants would all be gone. Uh -huh. So therefore, this is, this is the critical point of this whole parsha is that God is saying the following. National Israel, that covenant cannot be broken. And we've seen this in the past. However, no individual Jew has that guarantee. And you know, what we're doing with Jono, with you and I, what we're doing is we're not trying to keep the Jewish people from disappearing uh, because that actually can't happen. The message we have to every Jew is 
don't give up your seat on the bus. The bus, the, the bus will go on with or without you, but don't give up your seat on the bus. National Israel cannot be destroyed. There will always be a remnant that's faithful. Elijah made the error of thinking, in fact, and for good reason. He thought it was over, that all the Jews were worshiping Baal, and God was angry with him. And God said, rebuked him and said, no, there are 7,000 Jews who are faithful, didn't kiss the hand of Baal. And that's what's happening here in Akev. There's a distinction between corporate Jewry, and, and this is something that I, and I'm just going to spend just a, the, the only moment, then we'll move right through it. And this is a, a point that I think every Jew who is in the church, or every Jew who really is going, I don't know which is the truth, which way should I go? Keep your eyes on Israel. If the Jews, if Je- I'm going to just take Christianity. If Jesus was the Messiah and the teachings of the church were true, why didn't God preserve all the Jews who became believers in Jesus? Where is where is where are the grandchildren of Peter? Where Peter and where are the grandchildren of all the disciples? They're all gone. Where are they? They're, they disappeared. If Jesus, if the claims of the church were true, then God would have never preserved those who rejected his son and rejected the most important thing. I would posit in my lecture on the law of Moses and the new covenant, and I'm not promoting anything because it's free online, I make this point that every person, you see it with your own eyes, If, in fact, the claims of the church were true, why is there not a single, not one person today identifying as a Jew who believes in Jesus, who is a, who can, who can trace himself back to the first Jews who believe in Jesus? The answer is they lost the covenant. They're not here. And the question is if Christianity's teachings are true, why didn't God preserve those Jews? I've heard a Christian apologist say, you know why all the Jews who believe in Jesus or Yeshua, whatever they call him, aren't here anymore? Is because the Jews who didn't believe in Jesus persecuted them. You wouldn't believe, I'm not going to name which missionaries, but the most famous missionaries, this is the stock argument. The stock argument is that the Jews who didn't believe in Jesus, threw the Jews who did believe in Jesus, threw them out of the synagogue, and they were persecuted by by the Jewish community of so-called unbelievers, and that's why they became lost among the nations. That's such a foolish argument. The argument is the opposite. The whole point of the covenant, as we're going to read it here, and once you understand this, you understand it all. The whole purpose of the covenant is that no matter how much you're persecuted, no, no matter how much, how great your enemies are, no matter how impossible it may seem for you to overcome Overcome the the vicissitudes and overcome the adversaries, Hashem will preserve you despite that miraculously. So therefore the whole argument is 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 without merit, because the argument is predicated that oh they were persecuted, that's why they didn't survive. No. Hashem is saying, even no matter what will happen to you, I will always leave over a remnant. So if every person listening to this who's struggling with faith, you have to ask yourself a question. Look around you. Who did God preserve? 
as the Jewish people today. Who are they? They're all the Jews who are descendants of those who rejected the claims of the church, not embraced them, rejected the teachings of the Sadducees, not embraced them. Their grandchildren are alive today. It's not like they all became sterile, but they have lost among the nations. They are they're now they count themselves as Presbyterians and God only knows what. And that's the key point of everything. It's Corporate Israel is unconditional, however, the individual Jew doesn't have that guarantee. And therefore, my holy brothers and sisters, with your own eyes, you can witness that God kept a double promise, not only preserving the Jews, but only preserving those Jews who accepted Torah, who rejected the tenets of Christianity. That's who the Jewish people are today. Most Jews opted out, and I'll say that. Most Jews opted out of the message, and they're no longer here as Jews. And I'll make one less, with your permission, just one less comment, because, and, then, and then we'll go on, and I apologize, because this is so fundamental to everything. This is the message that God made with Abraham. In, in Genesis 18, God says this in verse 8, in, in chapter 18, verse uh, 18 and 19, that, that God said to Abraham that you will become great and mighty nation, and in you all the earth will receive their blessing. And here we see it here again. These are parallel passages. Now look at verse 19 of Genesis 18. It says, For I have chosen him for what purpose? In order that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of Hashem and doing that which is righteous and just in order that Hashem may bring upon Abraham what is spoken about him. So therefore we see the covenant is conditional on that the, for the purpose, why are the Jews an eternal nation? Just because we're supposed to be around a long time? No. The Jewish people have an eternal message to the world. We're, we are to be a light to the nations. So those Jews who say, look, I don't want to be a part of that message. I don't want to I don't want to convey that message to the world. So that means they're opting out of the mandate. If you're opting out of the message, that means there's no reason for you to be a part of a covenant nation. It's not like uh, a person is being punished because now they're not Jewish, they became an Eskimo. That's not the punishment. The point is then there's no need for you to be a Jew and to be in the land if you're not carrying on the message of Abraham. And that's the point I just wanted to make here. Can I just ask very quickly um, that if the the Jews are allied to the nation and if they have to opt in to giving the message, could you succinctly in one sentence tell us what that message is? The message is that God, number one, is the creator of the universe. He is a God of history. And that God wants a personal relationship with you. These are not my words. If you look carefully at the text, both in the passage I quoted early in verse 9 and 12, it says it there. Number one, that you to love Hashem, and number two is not in that order, and to observe His commandments. That's the message, that there's one God, and that God is a God of history, not just a God who created the world and went to sleep, and Lovely. He's one. That's Brilliant. it. From 15. And the Lord will remove from you all illnesses and all of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew. 
He will not set upon you, but he will lay them upon your enemies. Does it actually say diseases, or is it referencing the plagues, or is it both? No, no, no. It actually says kol which means all the sickness. V'chol madvei mitzrayim, which means all the uh, maladies and diseases of Egypt that are indigenous to Egypt that God removed for you. Yeah, I mentioned Egypt being right on the Nile with all the heat and the mosquitoes and the water. Must have been a must have been rife with sickness. You, you know, I have to mention this one point. You know, if you look today, we are, I don't like to say we're definitely, and I'm not hearing voices, but I think every person of faith realizes that we're likely living in a, in, we're observing the messianic age possibly unfolding before us. I'm so cautious because I, of course, want it to be, but it's it, it's almost impossible for me. But look at the European Union. They're threatening to boycott us, and they're threatening to boycott us in the areas of the world you live in, in Europe. And what do they want to boycott? They want to boycott Israel's fruits and vegetables and flowers. Do you know that never in history, they want to, all the food that comes out of Israel, they want to label it made in settlements, made in schmettlements, all this stuff. Do you know that in history this would have been inconceivable? Because the land of Israel was totally barren, and <laughs> Israel wasn't the exporter, and wasn't the breadbasket of the world. Eretz Israel was, was a place that had to import it, all of its food. And in fact, when um when when the great writer um what's his name visited the land of israel in the 19th century uh he said there's nothing that grew here this was an unimaginable thing that people would come to israel to be healed israel has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people every year who visit israel not because they want to go to the western wall but because they're coming there to get medical treatment you have <laughs> it's an amazing thing but actually they're boycotting israel's avocados 200 years ago, no one could boycott an Israeli avocado because there were not that many Jews in the land and these blessings didn't happen. Now they, they want to boycott us by labeling Israeli produce and flowers. All the blessings we're seeing here, we are observing in this parsha, are unfolding for our eyes. Why is it? Because today we're seeing more Torah in the land of Israel since you'd have to go back to the days of Hezekiah. And also we've gone through Jacob's trouble, please God, Jeremiah 30 verse 7. You, Israel has been forgiven, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 2. Nachmu, nachmu, ami, comfort you, comfort me, my people. Why? For Israel, Jerusalem has taken from the Lord double for iniquity. So Israel's been forgiven. So now we're seeing the blessings unfolding that the, the, our enemies are saying, no, we have to stop the tons and tons of fruits and vegetables that are coming from the land of Israel to feed Europe. This was, this never happened in history until this day, what we're watching now in front of our eyes. And everybody knows that every word I'm saying is true. They're not, and they're not boycotting the cell phones, by the way, which technology comes from Israel. Because cell phones, that's, they're not throwing away their iPhones. The iPhones may be made in China or whatever, or the Samsungs are made in Korea, but the technology and the Intel chips are, are all developed in Israel, and no one's willing to part with their cell phones. Anyways. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the cash points and the ATM 
modems and everything yeah, else. They were yeah, using go, boycott, yeah, go boycott your security systems on your computer mm-hmm. that are all developed in Israel. No, they're I, all I, boycotting avocados. <laughs> I want to encourage people to, to look for things that are, are made in Israel and, and buy them when you go and get your groceries. Now, I heard a lot a few months ago there was a very interestingly edited video on YouTube about the boycott in Ireland where this guy went around to three small stores and seemed to be speaking to the wider proportion of Irish businesses who are boycotting. But that's not the case. The largest retailer of food here in, in Ireland is Tesco's, a UK company. And regularly, my potatoes are from Israel. <laughs> my carrots are from Israel. My avocados are from Israel. Ireland. I mean, if you would tell people, and those who know understand history, that Ireland should need an Israeli potato. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> Do you have to, I don't know how far Ireland is exactly from Israel, but it's thousands of miles away. Thousands yeah. of miles. It's not 150 miles away. It's not like going from London to Manchester, which is maybe a four-hour drive. We're talking about thousands of miles that Ireland needs an Israeli avocado <laughs> and Israeli tomato but and the, a potato. But it's seasonal, right? So Ireland only has potatoes a certain time of the year, and then we eat them. But for the rest of the year, we rely on other things. And at the moment, we're relying on Israel, and they are awesome potatoes. Anyway, we'll move on. But if, you, uh, we'll if you're in the shops you, you and, and you see a yeah. label that says yeah. Israel, But my it. holy brothers and sisters, everything you're seeing, we're reading... Don't, you're not looking at a document that's 3,300 years old. You're looking at the living words of Hashem, and we're watching this before our eyes. This is the time to raise your lips to Hashem and praise Him and say, look at this, look how your Torah is true and your promise is true, the good and the bad. I'm not saying it's all good. We're going to come now to a point where God's going to say that if you don't, and there'll be the very famous middle paragraph of the Shema that's going to come up. Anyways, let's move through soon now. But just to see, this is all happening for us. They're boycotting avocados from Israel. <laughs> They're boycotting our avocados. But the cell phone, no, not so much. The computers, the Intel chips, that uh, they don't want to boycott. They're not that religious. And the, the tech, medical technology that people could swallow a pill and it can film their whole intestines. No one's going to boycott Israeli uh, medications from Teva, which is the largest generic uh, med- manufacturer of, med- of medicine in the world. Anyways, Let's continue over here. <laughs> and you shall consume all the peoples which your Lord gives you, and you shall not spare them, and you shall not worship their gods, for that will be a snare for you. Will mm. you say to yourself, these nations are more numerous than I? How will I drive them out? You shall not fear them. You shall surely remember that the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, and the outstretched arm which with which the Lord your God brought you out, so will the Lord your God do to all the peoples you fear. That's great, isn't and, it? And I, it's great, and historically, you can only, only for 30 seconds, imagine after the Holocaust, the Jews who survived somehow came to the land of Israel, and only, in, only two and a half years later, out of Buchenwald, they now have a Czechoslovakian rifle. The guy next to him has a Russian rifle. The next, they don't even share ammunition, and they're fighting off fifteen Arab enemies from all sides in Jerusalem alone. They were fighting off thirty-one six hundred Jews. Were fighting off thirty-one 
thousand Arab enemies. So you see these miracles. This is all before rise. The only problem we have is most of our listeners were born long after these events, and we take it for granted. You must be a student of history to know how how all these miracles have are unfolding before our eyes. Don't take anything for granted. And twenty, and also the I've got um, ZRR, the flying insects. Yes. Okay, the Lord your God will incite against them until the survivors and those who hide from you perish. You shall not yes. be terrified of them. The Lord your God, who is in your midst, is a great and awesome God. The Lord don't, your don't, God... Don't, oh. be, don't be afraid of them. And I want to just... I apologize. Don't... There, and you, there's a message here, and it's just to today. Stop when people say... Oh, have a two-state solution. Stop with the answer. Oh, but it's a security danger because the because then a Palestinian state will be of one mile will be one and a half kilometers from Ben Gurion Airport. That's not the reason. It was given to the people of Israel, and it cannot. The land of Israel is not yours to give away. That's the key. And don't worry. That means not not to worry about security, but know that if we're faithful to the God of Israel. God will destroy our enemies. Who would believe it, Jason? That every day we watch news, and what do we see? Hezbollah is 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 at war with uh, with Al Qaeda, and Hamas can't get any money from Iran, and Iran is fighting Al Qaeda. <laughs> All our enemies are killing each other. It's really if I would tell someone t- ten years ago, you know, Al Qaeda is going to be fighting Hezbollah. They go, "What are you sick in the head?" We're watching every day. It's like you're watching miracles unfolding for us, which is unimaginable. And the Lord your God will drive out the, these nations from before you little by little. You will not be able to destroy them quickly, lest the beasts of the, beasts of the field outnumber you. This is this verse just does does require a sli- just one fair, uh, commentary, and that is that a mat- people go. What does that mean? Like, why didn't you just get rid of them all in one second? If the people of Israel would come into the land, and let's say everybody would just drop dead, and all the all the nations would instantly be gone, would disappear. But what happened then is it would create a very serious problem, and that is the beasts of the field. What keeps animals, dangerous animals, predators, out of cities, the presence of people that are able to shoo them away. But if, let's say, the whole land would suddenly be absent of all every human being would be gone, meaning your, i.e. your enemies, then what would happen is there would be lions, and all kinds of very da- lions are indigenous to the land of Israel, just so you know that. just happens to be now, it just, uh, they, they, it's hard for them to make a living in Israel, but they're completely indigenous to the land of Israel. In fact, this is the problem the Samaritans had, they were getting eaten by lions, which caused their conversion, which caused their conversion to be rejected because they converted for the wrong reason. But the key is if all the nation would suddenly disappear and the people of Israel are just coming into the land, then the whole country will be filled with all these very dangerous predators. So therefore it's happened slowly that each city one by one is being destroyed in front of you rather than all of a sudden everybody so that the whole country won't be overrun by these predators. And from 23, but the Lord your God will deliver them to you and he will confound them with great confusion until they're 
destroyed, just what you were talking about with um, Hezbollah. They don't even know. In, in Syria, if I ask you who's fighting, they don't even know who's fighting. I just mm-hmm. saw on the news yesterday, America's trying to figure who's the bigger enemy. Is it Assad? No one can even track who's fighting who in Syria today. <laughs> watching, watching, Mamisha, watching verses in the Torah. As I watch, I'm saying, this is the verse. It's unfolded. They're so confused that these all of our enemies are killing each other instead of going, stop, let's go fight Israel. You know, Israel is, you know, Ehud Barak, which I don't really agree with him 100% on anything, but he, he did coin a phrase that's saying that Israel is a villa in the midst of a jungle, which it is. Israel is people, everything is flourishing, and if you go to, God forbid, go to Syria, go to, even if you're there as an aid worker to help Muslims, ISIS will chop your head off, as we've seen all over. And in Jordan, now Jordan is facing ISIS, they're all facing in Syria, forget about it, it's a garbage can, Egypt fell apart completely, but Israel's a place of peace. In the middle of absolute chaos and he will deliver their kings into your hand and you will destroy their name from beneath the heavens no man will be able to stand up before you until you have destroyed them the graven images of their gods will burn with fire you shall not cover that's what it says will burn with fire Mm -hmm. okay so that's very important that's a uh, not a correct translation and it's really a bad translation because it's misleading this is a commandment pesile eloheim which means the graven images of their gods Tis refun ba'esh, it's a command, you must burn it with fire. Okay, that's very important. Loisach you shall not desire, want, crave the gold and silver that these images are made of, and, 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 and you should not take it for yourself because this is an abomination for God. Now, yes, what application does this have to our listeners? And I'll tell you what it is. And I'm sure, Jason, you've heard this before. People say to me who've left the church and have come to the God of Israel, I say, you know, I got a big, very valuable, expensive library of new testaments of of christian commentaries of christian this and christian that can i put it on ebay can i put it up on uh, a craigslist and sell it and i say god forbid you're not allowed to do that you're not allowed to put a stumbling block for the blind so those of you who have christian books and christian and all kinds of statues or or crucifix or whatever it is, it, it is it is an isidiraisa, and this applies to non-Jews as well, because this this is a subset of the Noahide laws. It is forbidden to have any financial benefit. That's what the end of the verse is saying. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to sell your Christian Bible. You're not allowed to sell you know your Calvin's commentary that you spend five hundred dollars on. It's forbidden if you want to use it in order to help others get out of the church. So of course. I have a big, a very an immense library of Christian literature, but I use it to serve Hashem. But it is forbidden to sell your Christian Bible. It is forbidden to sell your crucifix to a non-Jew. You're placing that you're violating this commandment, and you're viola- you're placing a stumbling block before the blind. This has a very specific application, and I'm asked this question every week: Can I put up my New Testament on eBay? forbidden to have any pleasure from it it has to be completely removed and i would it's it's also like helping people build an altar to a foreign god even without the money you're increasing the possibility someone will 
increase their faith in the foreign gods. And that would be enough for me to not want to do that. Um, but that's just my two cents. And, and the next verse also is very, very important. The next, I know I'm, I'm doing the reading, but it's very mm, 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 yummy. <laughs> Not allowed to have these things in your house. Be very careful, those of you who are antique collectors or go to the East and buy statues. It's forbidden to have these things in your house. I have a very dear friend of mine who bought a home, very, very expensive. And I was looking at the shelf because what happened was he bought the home and in the contract was all the furnishings and everything. That means he bought the home and the deal was the guy just hands over the keys and whatever in the house is in the house. And I looked at the shelf and I saw that the guy had antique um, um, Canaanite gods. I mean, probably worth a fortune in terms of the antiquities market. I said, you can't have it in your house, you can't sell, and you have to destroy it. You can't, it's forbidden to have such a thing in your, in your house. And then the end of this verse, and then we'll try to move quickly because I know we're moving fast there. But this, every one of these, you have another mitzvah of the Torah, and that's the end of verse 26. Shock eats the shock center. It's not enough not to have it, not to have any benefit, not to have any pleasure, not to give it anyone. It's a one of the 613 minutes, which is a binding on a non-Jew, a Ben Noach, as well as a Jew, because this is a subset of idolatry. Shakates to shaktsenu, which means the Torah is saying, and it's a double language, you shall surely, you, sh- you shall surely be loathe it, despise idolatry, the of tisavenu, and you should could be totally disgusted by it. Kichermu, if you pass by, I just say this, if you see a Christmas tree and you say, don't God forbid say, oh, what a nice church, look at these flying buttresses in Dublin or these big, beautiful church, big churches in, in France or build in the, in the, in the, no, it, it has to disgust you. And I say this to you as my brothers and sisters, if it doesn't disgust you, if, if seeing these statues and idols doesn't bother you, you have to go to a spiritual doctor. You say, oh, Hashem, I need help. Just like if you would stick your hand in the fire and it doesn't bother you, that means there's something wrong with you. And there are people who have such a malady where they don't feel pain and they don't feel, that means there's something wrong. It's, it actually is a disease. If it doesn't, if it, these idols don't bother you, it means you say, oh, Hashem, please help me out. Because it is forbidden in the Torah to actually, it's a forbidden in the Torah to, to, to glorify, to say, look, we don't believe in it, but that's one heck of a statue of Jesus. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to go to Brazil and admire that, that statue that's 5,000 feet tall uh, on the top of a mountain in, uh, I think, in Rio de Janeiro. It's absolutely forbidden. You have to, it has to disgust you because it's a complete abomination. Right, I have to ask because I'm sure people are thinking. We see ISIS going into these sites and destroying these um, statues and and archaeological artifacts. How do we? 
I'm going to tell you how we process it. How hmm. do we process that ISIS happens to provide, and Hezbollah, they provide fantastic health care for the people who belong to them, that they have maternity wards. And the, not, the Third Reich also had tremendous um, uh, programs of health care for those who are members of the Third Reich. The answer is that we don't, dis- that we don't despise ISIS for taking a, a statue of foreign gods and destroying it. That's not the issue. Of course, the, the Hezbollah is very popular in Lebanon because of the medical care that they provide free of charge for people who are poor. And so did the Third Reich do that in 1933. And that's why people loved Hitler. Hitler ran for office in, in five, four years earlier and only had 2%. But after the economic disaster, that's what launched him because he was giving health care and everything. So the key is it's not that it, there are things that the nations of the world borrowed from us they plagiarized our ideas that's fine that they're taking a statue if they if there's a canaanite statue and isis destroys it that doesn't make isis good because that they happen to have because the third reich happens to have a maternity ward that has free for people who can't afford to have babies that doesn't mean that the nazi movement is great it just happens to be that that they took that idea from us and therefore, it's a part of Islam. That's all. But the fact that they're chopping people's heads off and and all the evil and violence that they're doing is a disgusting abomination. So, but you know, so you know, that's what's very clear. But that's not the part of ISIS that disturbs us. The part of ISIS that disturbs us is the fact that they're murdering and killing and so on. What what I was what I was mentioning was, um, so they they go to um, destroy this big statue with Nimrod, and um, there's a public outcry that that's a historical monument and that we should keep it and I've, I've heard that come from Jewish sources as well as non-Jewish sources but shouldn't we just let them destroy these things? Right, that person, that's not, a person who fears God is, first of all, it's so you know, they're sitting chopping people's heads off so, you know, it's all that becomes, but no, that's not the issue the problem that we have at ISIS that there, there are statues in, of false gods that people worship and they destroy it. Islam teaches them to do it because Islam took that from Judaism. They borrowed that from the Jewish faith. And ISIS, although they are a machination of Islam, uh, I'm just going to say that, you know, very obviously, because even, uh, let's just say the average Muslim, I assume, despises ISIS, at least for embarrassing Islam. But that's all borrowed from Judaism. They did borrow something. ISIS also believes in one God and no other. They are Islam. So, I mean, that does, that's not the problem with ISIS. The problem with ISIS is that they're murderers and so on, which is a, and many other things. Not the fact that they destroy uh, the gods, the ancient gods. The Torah is very clear that this is supposed to happen. The Torah okay. says he's supposed to give charity. Hezbollah gives a lot of charity. If you don't know this, Hezbollah has extensive agencies, and that's what makes them such a big hit in Lebanon, uh, providing agencies providing for needy people in Lebanon. Doesn't mean Hezbollah, who wants to wipe out every Jew off the face of the earth. The Third Reich had the same exact program for 12 years from 33 to 45. They had extensive programs uh, uh, for medical health for those who were who were indigenous, who were um, destitute. All right, so we're going to move on. We are at the beginning of chapter 8. And again, Moses is addressing Israel during this um, whole parasha. 
Every command that I command you this day, you shall do it, and that you may live and multiply and come and possess the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers. You shall remember the entire way on which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the desert in order to afflict you, to test you, to know what is in your heart and whether you would keep his commandments or not. Mm-hmm. And he afflicted you and let you go hungry and then fed you with manna, which you did not know, and nor did your forefathers know, so that he would make you know that man does not live by bread alone. That's where it finishes, right? Man does not live by bread yes. alone. <laughs> but rather by whatever comes forth. But rather by, not as well as, but rather by whatever comes forth from the mouth of God does man live. Fabulous. That's correct. Yes. Okay. I know what everybody's thinking, but we're not going to go there. Right? No. That's <laughs> been covered plenty of times already. Plenty of time. Okay. Your clothing <laughs> did not wear upon you, nor your did your foot yeah. swell these forty years. And so that's that's saying that the um, that their their clothes were miraculously restored. Yeah. No, not restored. They just never wore out. Mm-hmm. The, the the clothing never remember I did all these things and I, again those of you who who question is this book a divine book is it a God given book can I devote can I base my whole life can I trust this book you have to ask it and there are many people and it, this is a malady in Europe much more than America and that is that atheism is rampant all over Western Europe this is not a this is not I, I don't know what it's going on in Ireland but I can tell you in the UK, forget about it. But a person has to ask the question: Who read this for the first time? That means this was written to people, and it's telling you, "Listen, you're, you you saw food come out of heaven that your forefathers didn't know. That's what the name Mun means. Like, what is this? <laughs> your, your, your clothing didn't wear out. Your 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 your, your feet didn't. So for forty years, via data in Levavecha, you should know it. With your now, the word levavecha usually means with your heart. The real, the word lay real means with your mind. It does not mean the pump that's in your chest that pumps oxygenated blood in through your body. Your pump doesn't know anything. You should know it with your mind. That's how lay should be understood. Oh. We now the colloquial. In the English language, the word heart it, it can refer to it as a person's mind. But that's what lay really is with your mind. I Place, think this, know it with your mind, not with the pump in your chest. That's actually an underlying issue, I think, with the way that lots of people who are coming from Christianity and read this text, they read it with this idea, this mushy idea of the heart being your gut and your feeling and your emotion when when we read heart in the text, it's really talking about your knowledge and your sense yeah, and your the, wisdom, the and your experience. Know it, know it, know it. Atta Horesa, going back to the previous chapter, Deuteronomy chapter four, verse thirty-two, uh, verse through verse three. Atta you have been shown this, so that you may know. Das means know. And here we see it's all the same language. Viodata, you have to know this, not have faith. And how do you have to know this? With your mind, you have to know it completely. That what God has done, Hashem, and 
And therefore, you may wonder, well, why did why bad tough things happening to me? This is a very delicious verse here, and this also harkens back the way Hashem carried you like a father carries a son. So here we have the same passage over here. Know in your heart that it's just, the reason why you undergo great difficulties and great challenges, and see this, and see what you did wrong in Gaza. That you should know in your heart, just as your father, just as a father chastises a son. That's out of love. That's why Hashem chastises you to bring you better, to make you a better person, to realize, whoa, whoa, whoa. The guy who owns Korean Airlines, he said, I raised my daughter bad. The guy's a billionaire. He owns Korean Airlines, and his daughter made a whole hullabaloo in K JFK Airport because they served macadamia nuts at the first class in a bag instead of on a plate. And she had the steward, head stewardess thrown off the, off the plane. And the father said, the South Korean fellow, a Korean guy, he said, the father said, who owns the whole airline, he fired her and said, he said, I raised my daughter badly. Well, um, there's a there's a part here that I quite like. So we've gone from your clothing did not wear out to you shall know in your heart that just as a man chastises his son, so does the Lord your God chastise you. And then it says after that, and you shall keep the the commandments of the Lord your God to go in his ways and to fear him. So it's gone to almost the future tense. And when I read the word shall, I'm always reminded of Genesis 4-7 when God is speaking and he says um, that sin is waiting at the door, but you shall overcome it, that mm. there's this... Because, I mean, we know that during the course of Israel's history, there are going to be plenty of instances where Israel doesn't look at God and know that he, they're being chastised, they think they're being punished, or they don't keep the commandments. But this says that you shall eventually overcome all these things and figure it out. It's great hope in those two lines. As, as the Navi says, he chastises the one whom he loves. And sometimes he puts us through difficult times so that we can appreciate those things that are really valuable in life. How often as children do we not appreciate family and we appreciate people that ultimately betray us? And then when we're a little bit older in life and we're adults and we've been through the vicissitudes and trials and tribulations in life, we say, you know what? Family is pretty important. Now, when I was a teenager and I really didn't care about my, didn't take my family seriously, I realized that my family is really so valuable to me. But how do people come to that conclusion that when I was a teenager, I placed very little value on, on, on the gift of having a family? And now you ask any person who's older and has been through pain and difficulty, say, you know what? You know, family is family and blood's thicker than water. But that, that statement, how, how did that emerge? It happened through a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, but that's how you become great. For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that emerge in valleys and mountains, a land of wheat and barley, vines and figs and pomegranates, a land of oil producing olives and honey. That's a seven species right there. Right. Uh, the word devash just so technically doesn't it, it it can be translated as as honey it is honey but it doesn't mean bee honey here it really means date honey mm. it, when the dates fall the dates are i don't even know how much sugar it has in it it probably has more sugar than honey does i don't know exactly but it means that the dates literally are swollen they are in israel and just the the what drips out of it 
is so full of sugar. If you if you ever have a sweet sweet tooth, just throw a date in your mouth and you'll see what happens. You'll get a sugar on like you never had had in your life. So, anyways, we'll continue. <laughs> a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. You will lack nothing in it. A land whose stones are iron, and of whose mountains you will hew copper. And you will eat and be sated, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. This Fabulous. is the source. This is the, for, the This is the source of why we make an after blessing. The blessing we make on food before we eat is a rabbinic commandment. The scriptural commandment is to make the blessing after you eat. The, why does the Torah say? Why didn't the Torah say you should like you know most people sit around the table and we thank you Lord for this food? It's fine, but the key commandment to bless God and to make a brach is after you eat. Look what it says here, and then it throws in the extra word visavata, and you'll be satisfied. And after you're satisfied, then you'll bless the Lord your God. What is being conveyed here? How many people go through vicissitudes and then only when they're in trouble and only when they're hungry and only when they can't pay the mortgage and only when they don't have what to eat, then they start praying to God. The Hashem is saying no, but then once they're all taken care of, praying to God, they're not, they stop praying to God. No, I said, I want that you have to bless Hashem, which acknowledge Hashem when you're full. This is what people fail to do, is when people are full and happy and satiated, then all the praying and praying all of a sudden stops because, ah, I'm full. And you're going to see this is a lead up to where we're going to go. Because in fact, it is when you become full and you have all these blessings, he shamalcha, watch out. This is what's going to happen to you. And that's where we're heading right now. This is a cre- This is a critical juncture, a turning point in the passage. Is it saying, is it saying there are no atheists Look, in foxholes? Yeah, but what happens outside of a foxhole? Suddenly mm. it happens. I very often have helped people who are in prison, who become very religious in prison. The minute they're out of prison, goodbye, Charlie, they're out. And how do you know? How do you know I'm telling you what I'm saying is not some nice little uh, Tovia speech? It's the exact same, the words that come next. He shomer lecha, verse 11. Be careful. What mean be careful? You're going to have all these good things, and then what are you going to do? You're going to forget the, the, the Lord your God. I don't need him anymore. I'm full. That's why we bless. The main blessing is after we eat, that we know we haven't forgot you. We love you, Hashem. We appreciate it. Let's continue. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I command you this day. You know what that does to me? That puts a secure link between doing and knowing so that for me says that it's very difficult to say that you know god if you're not keeping his commandments and it's very difficult to say that you don't know god if you are keeping the commandments i don't think i don't think they're mutually exclusive i think that this is saying to me that if you've if you think you've got a relationship with god and you're not keeping his commandments then there's something wrong there because it specifically says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. All right, which I command you this day, lest you eat and be sated and build good houses and dwell within, and your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have increases, and your heart grows haughty, and you forget oh, the Lord your God. There you go. He has brought you out of the land of Egypt, 
and out of the house of bondage. Right. And then it tells us if you do this, we're going to have this repeated twice, by the way, this exact theme, that what causes, what happens is a cycle. This is actually describing a cycle, and we're going to have it again, so just quickly. That is, Hashem blesses us because he's, he, because we are faithful. But once I'm all, my belly is all big and full, and once I have all the money in the bank to pay my mortgage, God, what God? What, God of who? What God? I forgot all about him. <laughs> <laughs> that Hashem says that one literally could cause the other. It's a it's a it's a challenging thing when you receive the blessing to continue with the same faithfulness as when you were going through the vicissitudes, and this is what's going to happen to you. So God reminds uh, Israel of what He's done for them, and we skip through to eighteen. But you must remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you the strength and makes wealth in order to establish His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers in this day. For it will be if you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship them and prostrate yourself before them. I bear witness against you that day you will surely perish. I just want to ask very quickly because it's something that sometimes comes up. We often use the word worship, um, is and prostrate yourself. That prostrate's just another word for worship, isn't it? It's like the physical act of worshiping. Yes, and it means a complete submission. It means that you prostrate yourself. Means you submit yourself to other gods. I'll tell you just a quick thing. Like for instance, religious Jews don't get on their knees when they pray. They don't do that. When I was a kid, if my grandmother ever saw me even sitting on my knees, not praying, she'd say, "You're not allowed to sit on your knees because that's how the Catholics pray." Mm. So you know, the Catholics even have a, a bench with a, a kneeling bench. That's right. Yeah. 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 Not. A Jew doesn't do such a thing. We don't prostrate the way the nations of the world do. We don't we don't imitate the way. And then here we have again in verse one of chapter nine, Shema Yisrael. We have we, we, we have a very peculiar text here, but we'll we'll move through this here quickly. Shema Yisrael Ato Iver Hayim Es Hayarden. Going going over the Jordan River. Lavai Lareshes Goim Gedol Matzul Memecha. You're going to uh, inherit the land of nations that are much greater than you. But do, the key is, do not be afraid. And incidentally, cross-references to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with you. Mm-hmm. So, And that's what we have. And you should place it, know it today, that God is will destroy your enemies that are before you. And this just leads us to one maybe passage I, that people may find to be unique. Don't say in your heart, verse 4 and 5, that uh, that God, when God does drive out your enemies before you, do not say it's because um, because I'm, I am so righteous or I am so wonderful and so on and so forth. That's not the case. That's not the case that this is a gift because of this. But it's rather because the nations that are being expelled, they are completely they are completely wicked, and and this is the connection why I brought in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the beginning of this program, and that it is because of the promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God has done this. But what does that mean? Like, so like, all right, we get that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were great, and God made covenants with them, blessed them. But what does that have to do with them having children? The covenant continue. If this is how this all comes together like a symphony that you just go nuts. And that is that 
Only if you continue in the ways of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, only then will you have the land. That's what the covenant is based on, as we saw in Genesis chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. That's why I prepared you beforehand, because if you don't understand the covenant and the nature of the covenant, you won't be able to understand this chapter at all. So don't spend your time thinking about how righteous you are. But remember, do not forget how you angered the Lord your God in the desert. From that day that you went out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebelling against the Lord. And that's Moses starting his rebuke um, to the people. Right. So in uh, chapter 9, we read um, Moses giving a synopsis, if you like, of all the areas where the people made mistakes where they complained, where um, when uh, they built the calf, where um, they complained about the manna. There's a, the whole. It's everything that Israel has done up to this point. Moses reminds the people of how that angered the Creator, and we're going to skip forward now in the interest of time to chapter ten. And at that time, the Lord said to me, "Hew for yourself two stone tablets like the first ones, and come up to me onto the mountain." And make for yourself a wooden ark. Right. This is a tem- this is a temporary ark, incidentally, until they're going to make the later on the the grand ark that's going to be later on. But this is a temporary ark to house, which actually houses both the Ten Commandments that Moses himself hewn, um, cut out of stone and the broken commandments that God himself, you remember the earlier show, that God himself first initially cut out of stone. You know, I've never um, read that, bef- you know, read it and looked at it properly before. I always assumed he went up and then cut the stones, but in verses 1 and 3, it says that he cut the stones and then went up the mountain is that what it says in the hebrew yeah that means that yes that means but we it going back with moses through uh at first god was the one who carved the first set of ten commandments out of stone but those moses threw on the floor and shattered them when he saw the people rejoicing at the golden calf and then god said now you go and carve for yourself, Luchos Avonim, which means the the stone tablets, Karishonim, which means use the model, the the template of the other ones, make it make it the same way, and then bring it up to the mountain, and also bring with you in Arna Eights a wooden um, ark to place it inside. The echtoiv al luchos es advarim ha'ela, and then and and he inscribed in tablets the first script. So Hashem wrote down on the tablets. But here Moses um, cut out. If you go back to the text originally that we were discussing, you'll see it there that God cut the first cut out the first set of stones. Moses uh, was the one who you out of stone the a duplicate of what God had done. So Moses, again, um, continues to recall um, the story so far. It's like I'm I'm previously on Sinai and um, tells them, um, reminds them of where they've they've come from. The children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Bnei Ya'akan and to um, Mozarah, where Aaron died and there was buried, and Eliezer took over as Cohen. And uh, we're going to, I'm just skimming through this. 
And I remained on the mountain like the first days, 40 days and 40 nights. And the Lord hearkened to me at that time. The Lord did not wish to destroy you. So that's um, Moses going up to um, atone for the people. And then uh, the Lord said to me, Arise and go to lead the travels before the people so that they may come into the possess the land that I promised them, their forefathers. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God demand of you? This is an unbelievable verse. Yes, fabulous. By the way, this is there's a a a very similar verse in Micah, uh, chapter mm-hmm. uh, uh, chapter four, uh, chapter six, verse seven and eight, but uh, and in Micah four it says, "What does God want from you? What does He want from you? What a question! Like every person has a what does God want from you? So it should say here, God so loved the world. No, it says you should you should fear the Lord your God and love Him and keep all His commandments." If anyone comes along and says, no, God wants something else from you, say, look, if I have to choose, this is not like an anti-missionary show, but, you know, I just had this conversation on Facebook with one very sweet Christian in India, and I said to him, it's just, we're not against anything, we're just saying, if we have to choose between Moses and Paul, we're going with Moses every time. I mean, what more could you, like, how could you more graphically say, this is what God wants from you. He wants a personal relationship with you and to observe the commandments. There are people, I'm not going to lie to you, who call themselves Orthodox, whatever it is, and they keep Sabbath, they keep law, but they don't treat people, they don't, they're not, they don't think about what they're doing with God. There are other people who say, oh, I'm a good Jew in my heart, I'm a cardiac Jew. That also is not. Hashem wants both. Notice, too having God in your heart and to perform them. There are some people who say, oh, God has now put the law in our heart. It's in our heart. It's in our heart, our kidneys, our cardiac. It's a heart. No, it's what God says. And therefore, what we do is, all, we, all the Jewish people do is we're following exactly what the Holy Torah says graphically. Some, not some ambiguous text that can't understand. A three-year-old can understand these passages. It occurred to me, actually, over the weekend, the whole uh, Torah in my heart argument. I thought, well, that's fine, you know. Love your children in your heart. Love your wife and your husband in your heart. And then send them out the house. You don't need the real thing anymore. Yeah. You love them in your heart. <laughs> yeah, in my heart, I love you. I just threw you out of the house and you're yeah. living in a barn. But I love in you in the doghouse. But in my heart, I love you very much. Yeah, See if that works out so well. Right, so now, of course, all these things, heart, 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 business, is all taken from Paul that now with the heart and it's only the heart and the law is a curse. Where, where is that? I mean, was Moses a Christian? I, I say this, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this show, you're struggling with faith, ask yourself the question, did Moses know about Christianity? When I say did he know, did Moses believe in Christianity? Because the New Testament says that all the prophets spoke of me. I'm asking you honestly now, does Moses speaking, do you see anything Christian in these words? Would Paul would would Paul advocate what you're reading over here? Of course not. This is Paul says no. The Lord has made a curse for us. Let us continue. I have to read through um, twelve and thirteen because they're awesome. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God demand of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him. 
and to worship the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you this day, for your good. For your benefit. Mm. That is, that someone say, well, you know, the, the, the gods need, like God it needs it. Like God, if he, we don't keep commandments, like God is having a lousy day. Mm. He didn't, he needs you to tell him nice things about him. If you don't tell God how great you are 50 times a day, God has such a big fragile ego, he'll fall apart. Mm. No, that, that, those, that last modifier is what separates Judaism from all the pagan religions of the world. The pagan religions in Bali and Hindu, they give God's sacrifice that the gods actually need, and in turn, the gods give us. But the how God saying, I don't need any of this. It's letoiv lecha. It's for you. It's for your good. You're not. I'm not becoming a richer god, or the whole world belongs to me. It's all for you. I don't need all this, you know, all these uh, platitudes and so on. It's for you to raise you up, not for me. I don't need that. So that end modifier is critical. Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heavens and the heavens of the heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Only your forefathers the Lord desired to tell them, and he chose their seed after you out of all the peoples, as it is this day. You shall circumcise the foreskin of your heart, therefore, and be no more stiff-necked. Right. And again, it means your mind. That means don't go walk around saying, there are people I'm not going to, look, those of you who are considering being an observant Jew, I'm not going to lie to you. There are some people walk around who would not eat, who wouldn't even walk into a non-kosher restaurant, wouldn't do it. But they, they don't, it's, they're not thinking about God. It's a practice. It just wrote. God doesn't need that either. And we see that message in the beginning of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. If you, if you think you're going to just keep all these things, and but you don't think about God, God's on your own, you don't care for the widow and orphan, I don't need that either. Anyways, let's continue. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, and great, mighty, and awesome God, who will show no favor, nor will he take a bribe. Now that for me was a very important passage when I was coming out of the church, nor will he take a bribe, because it it totally negated for me the, if you believe, then God will um, forgive and forget your sins, because it felt a little bit like I was I had God in an arm lock, right? Oh. I, well, I've, I've believed in this guy now, so you have to forget. That's a that's a, that's like bullying. That's a form of a bribe, and uh, this this verse completely negates that for me. Right, of course. This is the repetition of what's saying for because God has everything, and He doesn't need it. This goes back to the point that I said earlier that this is all for your good. There is nothing we have that we can give God that makes God more complete, and therefore you are literally incapable of bribing me. There is nothing you have that I don't have now. If there's nothing we have that God does not have, then therefore everything God is asking us to do is for his, for our good, not that God will have more money in his pockets and have tithings and you'll give him back. I don't need anything. This is all for you, not for me. Anyways, let's continue. As opposed to a judge who does take a bribe, why do judges take bribes and alter their judgments? Because you stuck money in the pocket that they don't have, and therefore, you know, they're willing to adjust their adjudication because uh, you, you enrich their pockets. 
He executes the judgment of the orphan and the widow, and he loves the stranger, which I'm very happy about, because I am the stranger in this passage. To give him bread and clothing, you shall love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, worship him, and cleave to him, and swear by his name. I love that phrase, cleave to him. That's that's what it's the true essence of a marriage. I think is when a male cleaves to a female and a female cleaves to a male, and that's what it feels like when you have that kind of relationship with God. That's a great translation. Uvoi tidbuk. That means you should cleave to him. It's that's a great translation. Go ahead. He is your praise, and he is your God. Who did these great and awesome things for you, which you have seen, which your own eyes have seen that's right it's not you took someone's word for it the lord spoke to me and i have a message you you saw it with yourself your own eyes you actually remember we go back to access you actually saw the voice of god you were there you saw the smoke i'm not telling you take my word for it the lord told me there's someone who met the virgin mary in in honolulu no no no, no. you were there with 70 souls your forefathers descended oh this is a Egypt. big verse i'm <laughs> and, sorry i'm sorry I'm <laughs> let me finish the <laughs> and now the I'm Lord like, your God. I'm literally like, literally, I have to like. If you hear me, like, get, that, get a towel. I get a towel. I, I get. I should hear. I should be wearing a bib when I do this show. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> with seventy cells. Oh, you know what they have at the dentist? They put that thing in your mouth that sucks yeah. up. I should have that in my mouth during this. These are such delicious words that I like it has a Pavlov effect on me. <laughs> so we are verse twenty-two. With seventy cells, your forefathers descended to Egypt, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in abundance right and why is this verse very interesting of course is this is the verse that the that the christian uh translators of the septuagint forgot to change because as you know in Acts 7 16 stephen says that it was 75 souls went down it's just because they he was the book of acts who have a book of acts whoever wrote it let's say you say luke did it do now what happened just so you know is that we find it in genesis and exodus and here in genesis in Deuteronomy 10.22, this passage are the three passages that tell us it was 70 souls that went down to Egypt. What the church did was whoever altered the Septuagint to conform to Acts 7.16 forgot to change this. So therefore, in every Christian English translation, they follow the Hebrew. But if you have access to a Septuagint, you'll notice that they forgot to use bleach to wipe off this fingerprint, and this in the Septuagint reached 70 souls also, which contradicts, of course, Acts 7.16. Let's continue. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God, keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments all these days. And you shall know this day that I speak not with your children, who did not know and who did not see the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds, which he performed in the midst of Pharaoh. Nope in the midst of Egypt, to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and his entire land. That's a really long sentence. Good grief. All those commas. Someone give me a full stop. I, I just want to just go to verse 7. So sweet. Please Forgive do. Forgive me for doing this, because what I want to do is just say, this is to every atheist agnostic in the world, this is the time for you to repent. The text, look at verse 7, because verse 7 c- completes it all. Let's l- read verse 7. Ki as kol 
כל מעשי השם הגודל אשר עשו. You know what this text is saying? This text is saying, it's talking to Sam Harris. The text is saying, I didn't make the, it's talking to the audience, to the reader, saying, and the reader is the one who witnesses, you saw it. I didn't, don't let anyone say, oh, it was your father, your forefathers. You saw it with your eyes, with, you heard it with your ears. You were the ones who bore witness to this, not someone before them. And the question is, if the Torah was invented by someone years later, you know, the, as is taught by Richard Dawkins and so on, who read this for the first time? Whoever read this for the first time is going, wait, my grandfather doesn't know anything about this. My father never heard about this. How come no one ever told me? This takes atheism and agnosticism, and it takes it, and it burns it down to the ground. This is unbelievable things. I wish we had more time for it. And you should guard all the commandments that Hashem is giving you this day. Therefore, you will, you will have, you'll grab the land that God has given you, Hashem, that you are going to pass over the, there today. And then we're coming, I'm just going to go to the last part uh, of uh, this passage, which a Jew says twice a day. This is the middle paragraph of the of the um, of the Shema, and I'm I'm skipping with your permission, just skipping to verse thirteen. Yeah, sure, please do. Okay, and here you have the summation because it really is. Don't only look at this as like if you do this, then I reward you. But if you do bad, you do. I want you to see this as a watch out. That means that's the key I want you to take. Because obviously, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you're familiar with these concepts. And one thing that you'll miss that is, you, that is here in Akev is it is in fact the abundance and the wealth and all the blessing that you receive that will cause you to sin. And watch the language over here. Vahoya, verse 13. Vahoya im shemoya tishmu el It'll be that if you will, in fact, listen, Shemoya means listen, not just hear, and guard the commandments I give you this day, Lahava, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, then what's going to happen? Nosati Matar Artschem, and the word is Beito in its time. You know, what the key of it's a, 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 the, the, this is a special kind of rain. It's the rain when you need it, not when you don't need it. Oh. It's the rain. Then you're going to harvest it. Your animals will have all the delicious. Here we go, that exact word. You're going to be. This is why we bless after we eat. This is the key because you're going to be. You're going to be eat and your belly's going to be full. And then the Torah says this, Hishamru lochem, be careful. This is going to be your stumbling block. Oh, we have everything. Oh, we're okay. Our bellies are full. Watch out. Maybe your hearts will turn away. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If that God forbid, you'll do that. And God is going to be very angry at you. The heavens will be closed up. The land will not give off its food. 
which is an allusion to, you remember what I told you earlier is going to happen to all the nations that are sinning in the land that they you're going to overtake them? Mm. You're going to get thrown out. So my friends, it's not like God saying, oh, all good things are going to happen to the Jews, not to the guy. No. If you misbehave in the land, the land will spit you out. And therefore, the some temes place this heart, these words on your mind and your heart. And therefore, how do we symbolize them? And you should bind them as a sign on your on your on your arm. And notice here, some people say, "Oh, it's in my heart." No, we actually have phylacteries that are bound. They also would say it should be just a sign on your heart. Where does your hand come into your heart? Therefore, and and should be for a sign between your eyes. And these are the phylacteries. The word phylactery, by the way, the first time we actually see it in Jewish in in non in literature is it actually in the Christian Bible. That's the first time phylactery ever appears. And as it turns out, all those say, well, the Jews made it up. There is no such thing as phylacteries. It just means it should be in your heart and your mind. What are you doing binding it on your hand? But as it turns out, in Cave 4, they found 24 phylacteries that date back to the 2nd and 3rd century BCE, and they're exactly the same as the ones we have today. And there's a picture of it in Volume 1 of my book, Let's Get Biblical. And that, of course, is an unfortunate way that I have to promote my book. <laughs> when you're sitting in your house, when you're going on the way, when you're when you lying down, when you rise up, on all the time, and you should inscribe them on, on the mezuzah that on on the doorpost of your home, Lamaan, so that Yirbu Yimechem of Nevenechem Alho Adamo Asher Nishma Hashem Lavoisechem Laseislam Kimei Hashem Emol Eretz. In order so that your days will be numbered greatly, and the child your children on the land that God has sworn to your forefathers, Kimei Hashem Emol Eretz, like the days of the heavens over the earth. I, I just want to uh, just quickly. I'm going to read through 1921 super fast. Um, and you shall teach them to your sons to speak with them, and you shall sit in your house, and when you walk in the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, and you shall inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates, in order that your days may increase. Now, I like to look at that as in um, quality as well as quantity. And these and the days of your children, and the land which the Lord swore to your forefathers to give to them, and the days of the heaven above the earth, and we are now in the home straight. Yes. For if you keep these commandments, which I, I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, this is the fourth time he said this in this parasha, to walk in all his ways and to cleave to them, then the Lord will drive out nations from before you, and you will possess nations greater and stronger than you. Every yes. place upon which the soles of your feet will tread will be yours, from the desert to the Lebanon, from the river to the Euphrates, and into the western sea will be your boundary. No man will stand up before you. The Lord your God will cast the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land upon which you tread as he spoke to you. And that's the end in verse 25. Yeah. 
And this is what happened. I'll just tell you one quick anecdote that will take 60 seconds. And that is, in fact, that when the chief rabbi of the Israeli Defense Forces, uh, Shlomo Gorin, in the 67 war, as soon as Jerusalem was liberated, he heard over his microphone that he apprehended that Hebron, Hebron, which is south of Jerusalem and Judea, had been liberated as well. So he ran down right away with a Torah and a chauffeur and a driver and a jeep. That's all he wanted. The chief rabbi wanted a jeep, a chauffeur and Torah to go because Hebron, the second holy city, is liberated. As it turns out, it was a miscommunication. Listen to this. So you could, it was a miscommunication. As it turns out, the, the IDF never conquered Hebron yet, didn't conquer Hebron yet. In the, so what happened <laughs> so what happened was the chief rabbi shows up again with a beard, a holy man shows up with his driver. <laughs> and all this, out of every window in the Hebron, they hung out white sheets to, and the mufti and the heads of all the famed clans of Hebron walked out and handed him the keys to the city and surrendered what? to the chief rabbi. I'm not, this is history. The Hebron surrendered to the chief rabbi of the Israel Defense Forces, who at the time was the chief rabbi of the Israel Defense Forces, and eventually became uh, the chief rabbi of Israel. This is history, my friends. Look it up. Literally, the city of Hebron surrendered in 67 to the chief rabbi because he thought the IDF was there. As it turns out, he the the, <laughs> as it turned out, the IDF didn't even make it and he went to Hebron, but the the, the enemies in Hebron already heard that the, is, that the Klal Yishra, the people of Israel are coming through and they surrendered to the rabbi. I'm not kidding. Look that, it up for yourself. That is so uh, that's history. What, a, what an awesome this story. Is history. They might, and then, but what happened? I'm going to tell you quickly another 60 seconds. There were big parades. I remember as a little boy, big parades. Big parades with Moshe Look how powerful and strong we are. And that was already God said, Oh, he didn't recognize from me. They were going, Look how wise Moshe Dayan was and our if was wiping him out. And instead of praising Hashem properly, the, 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 the many unfortunately, attributed the success to how wise Dayan was, how wise our commanders were, how brave our pilots was, instead of giving the proper uh, saying that this is from Hashem. And unfortunately, then the next war didn't come on any day, my friends, but it came on Yom Kippur. Hashem had a message in that one. They came after that. And that was a very, very bloody war. We won it, but ultimately, there's a, it, it wasn't an accident that, the, that it happened on Yom Kippur. Anyways, my friends, it was a great show. It was great having me on. Jason, it was terrific and, uh, <laughs> and uh, well uh, um, it's a great um, privilege and honor to do this um, on our own <laughs> I hope uh, Jono is um, fit for purpose next week um, thoughts going out to Jono he's got lots of changes in his um, and it's for him and his family coming up in the next few months lots of exciting stuff and we look forward to having him back next week thanks uh, you guys um, for joining us on this and if you've got thoughts and comments on the program please use the comment space underneath this program to let us know if you've got questions you can fire them at us as well thank you rabbi singer for giving us your time every week so graciously and your insights always and uh, we'll see you guys very soon bye-bye Shalom.